0: Good morning, Orchard Church. How are we today? Good. Hey, you've noticed that I am not Pastor Doug. Pastor Doug was supposed to be back this week. But you know what? Sickness has hit our staff this week pretty hard and it hit Pastor Doug especially hard. And he actually lost his voice completely on Thursday. And he's been kind of touch and go ever since. So we made a game time decision this morning and Pastor Doug has been scratched from the lineup. So if you had him on your fantasy team, I'm sorry. But my name is Ryan Dickinson, I'm the executive pastor here, and I will be Trevor Simeon to Doug's Peyton Manning today, so I'm filling in. But you know what, when the backup quarterback comes in, the rest of the team has to elevate their game, right, so we can get everything uh, accomplished that needs to be accomplished. So we're all the rest of the team, so here's what I ask of you today, that you would elevate your game, that you'd lean in a little harder, that you'd press in, and, and let's get everything that God has for us today, amen? Amen. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles or on your mobile devices to Esther chapter five. And if you don't have either of those things, that's okay. We're going to put the scriptures on screen. You can uh, share that way as well. We use the New Living Translation on screen, so um, if you want to be able to match that up on your on your mobile device, you can. Uh, but before we get started in the message, and we talked last week about. Uh, all the natural disasters, the flooding and the hurricane in Houston and southeast Texas. and Now we have Hurricane Irma hitting Florida. Uh, we have wildfires in Montana and, and Washington and Oregon out west. There's, there's a lot of places that need help, and, and it feels overwhelming at times. What can we do here from Brighton, Colorado? Well, there's two things that we can do here from Brighton, Colorado, is we can pray and we can give. And we will be receiving a special offering today at the end of service with our normal offering. I want you to know that that special offering uh, goes through the North American Mission Board and their uh, disaster relief arm that's called Send Relief. The good thing about that is that's the third largest disaster relief arm in America, and 100% of what we give through that actually goes to disaster relief. So we're going to be Receiving that offering at the end of service today, any loose cash that's in the offering is going to go 100% toward that. And then also, anything that you choose to give above your normal giving, your tithes and offerings, an amount of money that you want to give that would go uh, specifically to, the, to disaster relief, and you want to do it by card or check. You still make the check out to Orchard Church, but in the memo, just put disaster relief, or on the offering envelope. Just go ahead. There's a, there's a memo place you can put disaster relief there. But before we get to all of that, can we just uh, pray? For all those that have been affected, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are humbled and just, uh, Lord, overwhelmed at times. We, we, we see all of these things happening between hurricanes and fires and, and earthquakes and things all over the world. And some people say, Lord, that that is uh, evidence that uh, you're coming again soon. And Lord, I, I don't know the time or the date, nobody does. But I do know this, that you are coming again and that we're one day closer. So Lord, I pray that you would use all of these events to draw people to you, that you would uh, show them your grace and your mercy and your love, that people would make decisions of faith to come uh, into the family of God. So Lord, we ask those things. We ask that you would use these disasters. We also ask that you would comfort uh, those who have lost loved ones, those who have lost property, those who are displaced. Uh, Lord, we ask your comfort, your peace, your protection over them. And Lord, The ways that we can help, big and small, Lord, we just put ourselves out there and say, send us, let us help, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 So a lot of people in those disaster areas are feeling hopeless and helpless. And we know that our hope is in Jesus Christ. We know that our help comes from the Lord. But there are times that we in our lives feel like we've been dealt a hand that... We're hopeless or helpless. How many of you have ever ever experienced that? A hopeless situation, a helpless situation, a no-win situation? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've, that's happened to me as well. You know, that kind of hand is also known as a dead man's hand, and that's the title of our message today. A dead man's hand um, is, is, was first coined by, uh, because Wild Bill Hickok, an Old West legend, was shot. And look, if I had long hair, we, we might be related. Um, and I like the hat, but um, he was shot and, and, and at a, in a poker game, and he was holding two black aces and two black eights, aces and eights, the dead man's hand, so that's relevant today, because if you follow along this story in Esther, if you follow along and All In, it might, it might seem like Esther and Mordecai and the Jews have been dealt a dead man's hand, and by way of review, we're going to get there uh, so, you, so you can see that, but in chapter one of the book of Esther, we, uh, we, we're introduced to the prideful and self-serving King Xerxes. This guy likes himself some Xerxes, basically, and so he's, he's got a beautiful queen whose name is Vashti, and, and Xerxes is kind of a party guy, he has a big party, goes on for months, they're drinking and carrying on, and Xerxes gets this bright idea that he wants to parade Queen Vashti, his trophy wife, in front of all of his buddies so they can leer and lust after her. Vashti understandably says, no thank you, and Xerxes has her banished, she is no longer queen. So that brings us to chapter two, now Xerxes is lonely and needs a new queen. So he implements what Pastor Doug calls the first episode of the Bachelor of Persia, and calls in beautiful young women from all over the Persian Empire where where the Jewish people are, di- are, are dispersed and he brings them in and he chooses a queen and it seems like an unlikely choice at the time because there's this Jewish orphan named Esther and she's beautiful and she catches Xerxes eye and he makes her queen and Esther had an older cousin named Mordecai Mordecai served as her adopted father and so she becomes queen, and Mordecai becomes a palace official. And in this chapter, Mordecai overhears a plot between two eunuchs that serve in Xerxes' administration, and they're, they're plotting to assassinate King Xerxes. Mordecai lets Esther know, who lets the king know, and the plot is thwarted, but Mordecai gets no credit or reward at the time, and that's important later in the story. In chapter 3, we're inter- we are introduced to uh, Mordecai's boss, Haman. And how do we feel about Haman, church? Right. That's our villain of the story. That's our joker in the deck. He's promoted to a very high place in Xerxes court. He's Mordecai's boss and he's not a very good guy. And, and, and so he he's, has such authority that when he walks around the palace grounds or walks around anywhere, everybody bows to him except one man, Mordecai. And this infuriates Haman day after day, week after week. Mordecai will not bow, and Haman's pride can't take it. So Haman decides he's going to get even with Mordecai, and not just Mordecai, but with the entire... Jewish population in the Persian empire because he finds out that Mordecai is Jewish. So Haman goes to Xerxes. Again, they have a few more drinks and they come up with this big plan. Hey, let's put a decree, an irrevocable decree out there that says on March 7th, the next year, which was about a year away, that every Jewish person in the Persian empire is going to be killed, slaughtered, annihilated. So, just like that, 15 million Jews have a death sentence in their lives. Haman was a precursor of Hitler. So Mordecai in chapter 4 learns of this decree and he goes into mourning and he sends word to Esther and he asks her to appeal to the king. But the problem is, as Persian law, you don't just walk in and appeal to the king uninvited. And even though Esther is queen, she hasn't been invited to come see the king in over 30 days. And Persian law says that if you come in to the king uninvited, that you will likely get your head removed from your body unless the king happens to pardon you on site. So Esther has this dilemma. If she petitions the king, if she goes before him uninvited, it's very likely that she will die. But if she does nothing, it's very likely that she will die on March 7th the following year when all of the Jewish people are annihilated within the Persian Empire. So she has this dilemma, but but Mordecai encourages her and says, Esther, you know what? Maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. So Esther thinks about that, and she commits to go all in for her people. And she goes all in saying, if I must die, then I must die. So she commits to trust God, to petition the king, to risk death. But before she does that, she asks her maids, her small group, to fast and pray with her for three days. Because she has a big dilemma on her hands. She has this decision. It seems like a no-win situation. It seems like a dead man's hand. So she petitions her small group, please fast with me and pray with me. And you know what? That same thing holds true today. When we need something today, our small group, those are the ones that fast with us, that pray with us. They're there to support us. So for a shameless plug for our groups, please sign up for one today. We've got two more weeks for the semester. So please do that. So they join her for three days of fasting and prayer. And on the third day, she will go before King Xerxes and her fate will be determined. So Esther has a choice at this point that brings us to chapter five. She can put her faith into action. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. So what will Esther do? She has a dead man's hand, but we're going to see that she's about to push the chips to the middle of the table and go all in. Let's pick up in verse one. Verse 1 says this, On the third day, everybody say third day. third day. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. Now, you know, that's just one verse in scripture, but you, gotta, you have to understand the emotion that's happening here because Esther's not sure if she's going to live to take another step. Esther's not sure how she's going to be received by the king. She is Taking, as she steps into the inner court of King Xerxes, she's taking an action step in her faith in God, and she's trusting him for the results. If you're with me, say yes. yes. Verse 2 says this. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. You see, she was either going to get the axe, literally, or the scepter. The axe was death, the scepter was grace. Grace was extended to her. So in your notes, this is your first point, is Esther's presence is received. Because she put action to her faith and she took the step into the inner courts of the king, her presence was received. Now that third day, not just the band, but that third day is, is, is symbolic in the Bible. Esther A lot of times it's pointed to as a type and shadow, a foreshadowing of Christ. Because she was willing to lay her life down for the sake of her people. And on the third day, she was granted life. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, he did die for his people. And he rose again, when church? On the third day. They were both granted life on the third day. Amen. Amen. So by donning her royal robes and stepping before the king, Esther put her faith into action. And that leads us to the next point in your notes. That faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action. Esther was all in the moment she put action to her words. We're all in the moment we put action to our faith. It's easy for us, church, sometimes to come to church and... And really kind of stay in the same place in our faith, if I can say that. It's easy for us to attend. It's easy for us to to feel good about coming to church. It's easy for us to talk about faith. It's easy for us to sing praises to God. But sometimes the hard choice is when God says, hey, I need you to take a step. I need you to take action. Esther had to take action. She had a dead man's hand, a no-win situation. She had to take action. She was truly all in. She didn't go post it on Facebook about her faith We do that sometimes. I do that sometimes. But she didn't crochet it on a pillow and sit it on her couch. She took the steps that were necessary. The Bible says that we are to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Esther is truly being a doer of the word because we are all in when our actions say we are all in. We're all in when our actions say that we're all in. So last time Pastor Doug talked in, in, in chapter 4, this was a couple of weeks ago at this point, um, he challenged us at the end of that message to write down some actions that we could take that would help us go more all in for our faith. And those might be things like, um, I'm going to take the action of joining a small group. I'm going to take the action of enrolling in, dis- in discipleship one-on-one to grow in my faith or help somebody else grow in theirs. I'm going to take the action of making sure I get in my Bible on a daily basis. I'm going to take the action of praying for that neighbor or that coworker or that friend. Whatever those actions were, we're to take them. And we're going to watch God produce dramatic results in those. And I know a lot of you have taken those steps. I know you have. And, and I know some of you probably have stories about what God has already done. And If you don't, you will. And so we want to hear about those stories. And so what we've done is we've actually set up a, an email address that we would love for you guys to submit those kind of stories to. So if you've got a pen, write this down. The email address is simply this, stories at orchard.church. Stories, plural, at orchard.church. If you have a testimony about reaching out in faith, committing and putting your faith into action, and seeing God do a result, however big or small, would you just take a moment to email whatever that is to us? That encourages us as a staff, but it also helps encourage... We can put it on social media. We can share it from the stage. It helps us encourage one another to keep taking those actions of faith. If you're with me, say amen. 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 Thank you. Why is that important? Because in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says it this way. So he's in a crowd, and somebody yells, Blessed is your mother for carrying you and for nursing you. And Jesus replied, he says, Yes, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and do what? Put it into practice. Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Putting it into practice. So Esther's presence is received because she put her faith into action, stepped in the inner courts, and her faith was rewarded. So that's great. She didn't die, right? That's step one. Don't die. (laughs) Step two is how will the king respond? How is he going to respond to this dilemma, this, this decree, this irrevocable decree that has been issued to kill all of the Jewish people within the Persian empire. So Esther is strategic and we're going to see this here in a minute. So the next point in your notes is Esther's petition is achieved. Esther's petition is achieved. And we're going to see that how she does it in verse 5 or I'm sorry, chapter 5 verse 3. Then the king asked her, "What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half the kingdom." Well, that sounds like a lot, right? But that's kind of royal hyperbole. Um, we see, actually, three verses from now, he's going to use that term again. We see that used by kings, even to half the kingdom. It was, it was a term. He's not necessarily promising her half the kingdom. Verse 4 says, And Esther replied, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet that I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his... So hey, Esther knows Xerxes likes to party, Right? So, hey, come to a party, come to a banquet, come to a feast. The king turned to his attendants and said, tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, again, Esther's smart. She's, she's got timing going on here. The king said to Esther, now tell me what you really want. Because Xerxes is saying, you know what? I know you didn't come risk your life to serve me dinner. I know you didn't. I know there's something you really want. Tell me what it is you really want. What is your request? And I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. So wives, I know you do this. They teach you this in wife school. I know this. You want something from your husband? Man, a good meal doesn't hurt, right? You feed him what he likes. You give him his favorite beverage. Maybe you wait until after the Bronco game and they've beaten the Chargers on Monday night, right? Yeah. That was my shameless pander for some applause. Um, You wait. You know, he's happy. He's got a full belly. he's, He's feeling good. Then you ask. And I know they teach you this in wife school because my wife does it. And she's done it for 15 years. And you know why she does it? I know why you do it because it works. It absolutely works. Sarah has this, it's, it's, Anytime she starts a request with this cute little, um, baby, <laughs> I know something's up, but it still works. You know, I've had these, um, baby conversations that result in a lot of cats <laughs> and rabbits and chickens and children. Um, got more mouths than I know what to do with. It's like a zoo out there. But, um... So she knows, she knows how to do that and it works. And you know what? Your kids, I've got three kids. I've got three sons. They're great. Zach, Tyler, and Owen, they're, they're 13, 11, and nine. And you know what? They pick up on it. So whenever one of them comes up, hey, dad, you have been working out? <laughs> I know something's up. Because of what normally happens in the Dickinson family, and this just happened this week. Some of you may know the story, but we're on our way to school on Friday and I've got the three of them in the pickup with me and, and I'm trying, you know, they're going to school. They're kind of bummed. I'm like, oh man, it's Fun Friday. Like, no, it's not. Like, okay, well, what's the opposite of fun then? And Zach goes, boring. And Tyler, or I'm sorry, and then Owen goes, school. Tyler goes, dad. (laughs) I'll miss Tyler. I will. (laughs) Um. But notice this that Esther, Esther is patient. Esther is wise. You know what she didn't do? She didn't start yelling and screaming at, at Xerxes. She didn't say, what in the world are you thinking? She didn't say any of those things. Instead, she was wise. She was respectful. She was, her timing was everything. You notice her nationality is still concealed. It hasn't been revealed quite yet. In Ecclesiastes 3.7, it says this, that a ta- there is a time to be quiet, Tyler, and a time to speak. No, Tyler's not in there. There's a time to be quiet, and there's a time to speak. The timing of God is just as important as the will of God. So Esther in faith has listened to the will of God. She's taken the step that God has told her to take, but now she's waiting on the timing of God, and she's being strategic about this. It, It It reminds me, you know, we've all heard the story about the person going through trials and they need patience and they go to God and they petition him, Lord, I need patience and give it to me now. Right? When we go through trials, we need patience and we need it now. We need to allow God time to work. (coughs) Excuse me. We need to allow God time and room to work. It reminds me of the the Mayweather-McGregor fight. How many of you saw that? Yeah, so you had Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, and Conor McGregor, the, the, the puncher, basically. And I think, I think Mayweather threw five punches in the first round, and the second round he didn't do much more. He waited, he let Conor McGregor kind of punch himself out, kind of get tired, and then he went to work. He was patient, he was strategic, he had a plan, and he followed it. Much in the same way, God is patient, God is strategic, God has a plan. And we need to give him time and room to follow it. <coughs> Pardon me. I told you most of the staff uh, is coming down with something. But our, our, our problem is, is we oftentimes in our own flesh, we'll do just the opposite of that. We won't wait. We'll run ahead. We want to make things happen. We want to be, we're rash. We run ahead of God. We want to take matters into our own hands. And often we regret it later. But Esther didn't do that. The key here is that Esther didn't take matters into her own hands. She allowed God's timing to play out. And we're going to see that in verse 7 and 8. Esther replied, this is my request and my deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, come with with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. So he says, what's your request? She says, another banquet, another party, another meal, another thing to go to. She could have said, she could have dumped it all on him, but she didn't. She's, she's being patient, being strategic. And here's the thing. God's working behind the scenes in all of this. Even though in the entire book of Esther, we don't see the name of the Lord at all. He's not a character in the book. He's in the director's chair. He's moving the pieces around the table. If you're with me, say yes. yes. Ephesians 20 says it this way. Now, all glory to God who is able through what? Through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish how much? Infinitely more. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. When we've been dealt a dead man's hand, like Esther seems to have been dealt, like the Jewish people have, seem to have been held, have dealt, when we have been dealt that hand, God is the only one that can bring life. When we hold aces and eights figuratively, we're in no-win situation. God is the only one that can bring victory. And God wants to do infinitely more than we can ask or think. Sometimes we just got to wait for him. So it might be our marriage. It might be with our kids. It might be the relationship with our kids. It might be finances. It might be health. It might be a job. It might be in ministry. It might be here at Orchard Church. But God wants to do infinitely more than we can ask or think. So our job is to listen to him in faith. Our job is to hear him by spending time with him. And then take those steps of faith that he tells us to take. And then be patient. Because the results are his. And he is working his mighty power in us. If you're with me, say amen. 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 So Esther's presence is received. Her petition has been achieved. And this is the, not- the next point in your notes is Haman's plan is conceived. Verse 9 starts out this way. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet. This word happy in Hebrew literally means gleeful, gleeful, full of glee. I've been really happy before, but I don't know that I could ever describe anything I've ever done as gleeful. That's really happy. So he's on cloud nine as he walks out. And Haman, he loved the glory. He loved the recognition. He's just been invited to dinner with the king and queen. And he's strutting out of that place hoping that everybody sees him, right? If you've ever been invited to an important place or... Or, or a fancy restaurant or what have you. You kind of want to be seen sometimes. you know, And so he comes out. He's strutting his stuff. It's the best day of his life. And think about it. If, if that person on your bucket list you were invited to dinner with, you'd be putting it on Facebook. You'd be putting it on Instagram. Haman would do the same thing if he could. But then something happens. The rest of verse 9 says it this way. But when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious, furious, absolutely furious. That Hebrew word for furious right there means hot displeasure, which sounds a little contagious and painful, actually. But hot displeasure, not mild displeasure, not annoyance. He is hot. He is angry. Verse 10 says this, However, he restrained himself and went on home. Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh his wife and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted all over, over all the other nobles and officials. Then Haman added, And that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow." Haman loves him some Haman, he does. Then he added, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting out there at the palace gate. Haman cannot stand Mordecai. You know, Jerry Seinfeld had Jerry Seinfeld had Newman. Newman. Haman has Mordecai. Who do you have? Not no point. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> we all have somebody we don't like. Especially don't point up here. That's, that's kind of mean. Um, we all have somebody we don't like. We do. That person that grates on us, grates on our nerves. And bottom line is, no matter how good things are going, and Haman, things are going really well for him right now. Would you agree? No matter how many, thing, how many things are going well, we often focus on that one little thing. We always want more. So in, in verse 14, it goes on to say this. So Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested, set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall. And then in the morning, ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. You see, this seems like a good idea, because uh, Haman doesn't understand that Esther is Jewish. Nobody knows yet. And so Haman has this, this idea. Think of the bitterness and, and, and just the hate. You know, in chapter 2, when Mordecai exposed the plot of the eunuchs to assassinate King Xerxes, they were impaled on a pole. And Pastor Doug used the term eunuch kebabs. <laughs> <laughs> so, in a similar way, Haman wants to skewer Mordecai on a 75-foot pole. Your normal telephone pole is 60 feet tall. Our building next door, the auditorium ceiling, is somewhere around 25 feet tall. So think three times higher than that. He wants to put him up there. So not only is he getting revenge on Mordecai, he's sending a message to all of the Jewish people to be afraid of him. Think of the bitterness. Think of the rage. So now next week, teaser, because you've got to come back. Pastor Doug will be back. You won't believe what happens. This whole story turns between Haman and and Mordecai in chapter 6, and it's hilarious, the turn. So come back next week. But before then, just remember this. When you've been dealt a dead man's hand, many of us raised our hands at the beginning saying, hey, sometimes it feels like we're in a helpless, hopeless situation. Sometimes it feels like there's a no-win. When you've been dealt a dead man's hand, there are two things we need to remember, and this is in your notes. Number one is that every spiritual action faces the enemy's reaction. So Esther has taken a step of faith. She's approached the king in boldness, risking her own life to save her people. But it has hatched a plan in Haman. And it's been conceived. And you've got to understand this, that every every time we take a step in faith, and I'm not talking about the natural consequences for our dumb choices. We make dumb choices, and those choices have consequences. That just happens. But we face opposition there's an enemy's reaction every time we take a step of faith so let's say we want to go all in in faith we're going to be opposed by an enemy let's say we want to go all in in our marriage and i really want to apply ephesians 5 to my marriage i want to do things the way god wants them done in my marriage i want to love and respect unconditionally when we take that step of faith guess what there's going to be opposition when we take that step of faith to get our finances in order, to finally go, you know what, I'm going to do it the way God says to do it, and we, and we make the decision to tithe and to give, there's going to be opposition from the enemy. Serving, discipleship, reading our Bible, any of those things. We make a decision to put steps of action behind our faith. We will face spiritual opposition because we have an enemy. How's that for a feel good gospel at Orchard Church? But I say that because God wants us to know that. In 1 Peter 5 8, it's, the Bible says it like this Stay alert. Watch out for your what? Your great enemy. He prow- The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. So I'm just going to say this it's a lion, which is a what? A cat. Satan, lion, cat. Direct connection. Got the cat joke out of the way. Looking for someone to devour. So Satan roars or prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. And you know what? If we're not taking steps of faith, if we're not putting action behind our conviction, if our faith hasn't grown to the point where we're actually going out and making a difference in our own lives and in our family's lives and the people around us, Satan has no reason to oppose us. And I think sometimes here, especially in in kind of the North American church, we we get sold a bill of goods that says, if you follow God, if you put action to your faith, everything's going to go smoothly and great. And you know what? In the end it does. But day to day, we will be faced with spiritual opposition. But let me tell you this, greater is he who is in us Than he who's in the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, when we make a commitment to find and follow Jesus and to help others do the same, Satan wants to take us down, he wants to take us out. But it means we're on the right track. Even today, sickness has hit our staff, It it hit Pastor Doug especially hard. And so, we had a choice today. You know, he's lost his voice completely. He could either come up here and do this message in an interpretive dance, (laughs) which would have been entertaining, right? Or we find some other way. You know what? Sickness, I believe, in this case is an attack because we're on mission. We are reaching people, helping people find and follow Jesus. And our staff comes under sickness. Does that mean we're doing something wrong? No, it means we're on mission. It means we have a spiritual enemy who wants to oppose us. So what do we do? We press on. Amen? Amen. Amen. So even though sometimes it feels like we have a dead man's hand because we're in no-win situations, I want you to understand that every spiritual action faces the enemy's reaction, and that's a good thing. It can show us that we're on track. The second thing that you need to remember when you feel like you have a dead man's hand, and this is in your notes, is that things are in the best hands when they are in God's hands. So Esther has made a commitment that she is going to do the thing that God has called her to do, and then she's going to leave it in his hands to, to work. And we're going to see how he works later on in the story. So come back next week. But she has to be patient. And Psalms 27, 14 says it this way, to wait how? Patiently, to wait patiently for the Lord, to be brave and courageous. Now, it's funny because we don't often associate bravery and courage with waiting and with patience. But sometimes it takes courage to wait. Sometimes it takes bravery to be patient. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Psalms 37.7 says it this way. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait how? Patiently. There's no M in front of that. It's not impatiently. We wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Think about Esther. Haman is an evil person who is prospering. We just saw him boast about his wives and his children and his wealth and his status. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked, their wicked schemes. Here at Orchard Church, we've kind of translated that into a value that says we pray as if everything depends on God. Why? Because it does, right? and we work as if everything depends on us. Why? Because faith without works is dead. So we pray because everything does depend on God, but God gives us things to do, and we work hard at those things. We put action to our faith. If you're with me, say yes. So, you know, in my life, I'm kind of a getter done sort of guy, and I've had to learn patience and it's a hard lesson still for me sometimes. You know, my first business when I went out on my own in 2001, I was young enough and naive enough to think it would just be a couple of lean months and that everything would, would be fine because I'm me and somehow special. It took seven years for that business to actually grow to a point where it could sustain me and my family. And I remember somebody close to me at one point during those seven years said, hey, If this was really God, don't you think it would have worked by now? Don't you think it would be easy? And my answer was, no, not necessarily. Because I don't see anywhere in the Word where God promises that anything's going to be easy. But He does promise us victory. He does promise us that we win in the end. So I kept taking steps, and that first business grew to an opportunity to found a second business, which then grew much, much more than that, and ultimately set me up to be able to come and go all in here at Orchard Church into ministry. But if I would have short-circuited God's plan to teach me patience and perseverance and the skills I needed in order to, to come here and fill in on a day where the starter's been scratched from the lineup, If I would have short-circuited any of that, I wouldn't be here today. Bottom line is I've learned that things are in the best hands when they are in God's hands. And when you think you've been dealt a dead man's hand, when you think you're holding aces and eights and you got no choice, everything's a bad choice, everything's a no-win situation, and maybe you're here today because you feel like you can't win for losing. You feel like your marriage is broken. You feel like your relationship with your kids is broken. Maybe, uh, Maybe your health is in question. Maybe your finances are a mess. Those are all problems that we can all have. and Those are all problems that we all do have in our lives. Remember, listen to God. Take the next step of faith. And understand that every spiritual action is going to have a reaction from the enemy but things are in the best hands when they're in God's hands. Amen? Amen. So let's bow our heads in in an attitude of prayer. If you're here today and and any of that spoke to you about an area of your life that you need to trust God for, that things that you need to put in His hands because they're they're the best hands. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your parenting. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids or with your parents. Maybe it's, Maybe it's finances, maybe it's health, maybe it's job, maybe it's career direction, maybe it's any of those things. If you have need today to have God speak into a specific area of your life and you want to trust him with this area and he's put it on your heart, will you just raise your hand? Raise your hand high. I would love, I would love the opportunity to pray with you. Hands everywhere, hands everywhere. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Mine's up there with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you see, you see the hearts, you see our hands, you see our need, our desire to trust you, to place everything in your hands, to place those things in our lives that we can't fix, that we can't take control of, that we know that are better off in your hands. So Lord, we ask for the courage to be able to release those things to you, to take the steps of faith that you call us to take, to not run ahead of you, to not go in front of you, to not try to take control of things in our own hands, but to listen and wait patiently for you, Lord, that you might bring victory in each and every one of these areas. Lord, I thank you for these. I thank you for these that had the courage to raise their hand. I ask that you would pull alongside them and give them that courage to be able to release those things to you. While we're still in an attitude of prayer, if you're here today and maybe you're exploring faith in Christ and and you're here because you are looking for answers to questions, Um, the first step, the first action step, the very first step that the Bible tells us that we're to take regarding our faith, the very first action is to place our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Son of God who came down fully God, fully man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again on the third day to pay for our sins and give us new life. The Bible says when we place our faith in Him, we are saved, we are restored into right relationship with God. So if you're here today, and you've never taken that step. You've never accepted Jesus in your heart as, a, as, as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the way we call on the name of the Lord is through prayer. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if it's on your heart to pray that prayer, just follow along in your heart with me. Heavenly Father, I have need for answers. I have need for a savior. I have need for Jesus. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I cannot bring myself into right relationship with you other than faith in Jesus Christ. So I place my faith and trust in Jesus today. I accept him as my Lord, and my Savior, and in that way, I put this newfound faith into action, the first step to be able to walk with you. In the name of Jesus, while we're still, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I would love the privilege and the honor to pray with you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, will you just lift up your hand nice and high? If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I see you, young person. I see you. I see you over here. Thank you. Thank you. Several over here. One, two, three over here. Four, five. This is good, Orchard. We can celebrate this. I see you up top. I see you up top. Several hands. Several hands. Several hands. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these who have taken that first step of faith to place their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for their life. And just like Esther, that, they, that you are in the director's chair. You are directing everything and that they will be part of your plan. Thank you for adopting them into the family of God. And thank you for the party and joy in heaven. And we just join in that in celebration. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can we celebrate
1: those? Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Well, hey, if you said yes to Jesus today, um, we just want to say first and foremost, welcome to the family. Um, you just made one of the best decisions of your life and we want to be there for you. We want to be able to follow up with you. So please, um, in your newsletter, if you could just take out your connection card, uh, fill it out, put it in the offering bucket as it passes by. Uh, we want to pray for you specifically, but then also send you a free gift in the mail as well. Uh, first-time guests, is if if this is your first time um, here at Orchard, man, we are so glad that you are here. Hopefully, you have already filled out your connection card, put that in the offering bucket uh, as it passes by as well. That way, we can send. Uh, we, that way, we can say thank you with a free gift in the mail. Um, first-time guests, we're not interested in your money today, but we are interested in you. So please do that, so that way we can follow up with you. Um, and then a reminder: uh, we're gonna um, here in a moment. We're gonna take a special offering um, for disaster re- relief, just all throughout our country and everything that's going on. Um, All loose cash, 100% of that is going to go towards North American Mission Board, which is NAM. Um, And so if you feel led to give that way um, above and beyond your normal tithe, we, man, join with us. We definitely encourage you to do so. If you don't have any cash on you today, no worries. Um, You can write a check and just put in the memo line, disaster relief. You can make it out to Orchard Church, but then just put in the the memo line, disaster relief. So we'll do that here in just a moment. Um, Next week, small groups start. And just like Ryan was talking about today, we are strong. Together. Amen, church. Um, You guys, I don't know how many times um, God has helped me get through something with the people that are around me. So please. Please sign up in small groups. Put that on your connection card. Uh, if you have any questions, there is a white tent outside as you leave today. Um, go on over there and ask those different questions. Um, Ryan will be at the blue tent um, today as you leave if you want to stop and talk with them, And then last but not least, um, you guys, don't forget to check in on Facebook at Orchard.Church um, um, if you are wearing any type of NFL jersey today. We're doing a fun giveaway. Uh, we're giving away three prizes. Uh, if you're a Chargers, Patriots fan, don't worry about it. No, I'm just kidding. Please. please please join in okay we promise we don't you know you you could possibly win as well Um, but you guys make sure you do that today Uh, family friends do that together It's just something fun that we're doing Um, but this time let's go ahead and stand as we uh, close in a song of worship and we worship in our tithes and our offering because we want to be a church that gives first saves second and then lives on the rest love you guys